0: To podcast about creating and sharing new ways to play. My name is Ryan Heyman. You can call me H. And I'm Ryan Quintel. You can call me Q. You know, it just dawned on me recently as I just learned basically how to play Monster Hunter, which I'm very excited about. Oh. Uh, I hope I didn't talk about this in one of the previous episodes. <laughs> but
1: um Don't tell me this. This is so exciting.
0: <laughs> no, it's been uh I have uh I have purchased four Monster Hunter games before this, and so I think all it takes to learn Monster Hunter is just to get out there and buy five Monster Hunter games, and then you'll
1: get it. (laughs) In my experience, that's how it works. You know, it's so funny you say that. I kind of did the same thing. Well, I bought two 3DS Monster Hunters, then I bought Mm -hmm. the Monster Hunter World, and Monster Hunter World finally was, I mean, like for many people, I know it's a story as old as time, but it clicked with me, as well. That's when I got into it. What is your weapon of choice? Oh, oh. <laughs> now we're into a very Monster Hunter-esque conversation, aren't we? I like the um I, is it called the long sword? It's like the samu- big samurai. Okay, yeah, yeah. I love the meter building and I like doing that combo where you jump up into the air and the, uh, and that chance where occasionally you get to slice off a tail. I just, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so interesting, right? How people identify with their, their, you know, your monster hunter weapon.
0: Yeah. It becomes like, it becomes like a defining personality trait. Like you could probably <laughs> do like one of those, which sex in the city character are you? And just have like a one question. Survey like what is your monster hunter weapon that can probably pretty accurately match you to one of these <laughs> yeah, characters where's
1: the BuzzFeed uh, monster hunter weapon personality quest, quiz quiz uh, so tell me what's uh what's yours I am the switch axe oh I, <laughs> the, my little bloodborne boy <laughs> yeah that's right
0: no it's a uh it is an axe that can transform into a giant sword uh, but you are always kind of managing a meter in the uh, corner of the screen for like when it's uh when the sword has charge and energy Uh, so basically you kind of beat away with the axe the uh the sword gauge kind of charges over time then when the sword gauge is at a point that you're happy with you can transform your axe into the sword if you can do it mid combo even better because then you get some kind of additional damage and then it uh uses the momentum of the swings already in progress to transform the weapon uh, mm. if you just transform it from like a standstill that it is kind of a a lengthy transformation uh animation that is uh uninterruptible and that's so really unfortunate into- uh but then once you're in sword mode, you begin charging a separate meter one of your files which um which you can use to produce kind of like an elemental build up and explosion eventually. Uh, so you're always kind of like, uh, but while you're in sword mode, your sword gauges is kind of ticking down as well with every swing that you take. And so you're always kind of balancing these two meters, trying not to let enough time go by to let either of them decrease and uh, always have kind of a nice rhythm between this the axe mode and the sword mode, mm. but also noting that you don't really have any defensive capabilities. so. <laughs> I don't know. I just, you know, I had originally played, like my first exposure to Monster Hunter was a demo of three ultimate. They put you up against what must be a pretty nerfed version of one of the monsters, but they give you kind of like pretty decent equipment within the demo anyways. And so they let you kind of try out any of the weapons that you want, and then you have pretty capable versions of each of those weapons. And so, uh, you know, I, I got to kind of experiment around and... Switch Axe was the one that I fell in love with back then. Uh, ever since, like, making a real serious effort to get into Monster Hunter these days, I've been trying to kind of watch all the like beginners tips videos, and they all recommend like go for the sword and shield, you know, or something like that, or you know, there are a few weapons that are more beginner friendly, and uh, Switch Axe is never the one that's recommended. But I had such like a a good experience with it in the demo in which I was playing like a more powered up character. And I was like, whatever it takes, I just want to get back to that point. So I kind of (laughs) knuckled down and learned this kind of non-intuitive weapon. But I feel
1: like now, like I could do some pretty wicked things with it. (laughs) Yeah. I, it's definitely one of those things where I did, I didn't expect it to get me so hard, but I ended up falling off of world when it was just, Um, you know, we talked about in the last episode, having a partner to keep pace with, but I didn't really have anybody I was keeping pace with or playing with me. So I fell off of it. But are you, are you playing the, uh, are you playing rise or are you playing world? I'm playing world. Yeah. It's probably a better bet. uh, I have to imagine rise is going to, shine if they ever get it to you know the beefier machines
0: yeah i'm gonna wait because that one is already announced to be like an impending pc release i think next year God. so i'm just gonna wait for that one to come to pc but uh smart i i'm really liking world um earlier on in my monster Hunter career because <laughs> i oh i i owned world for a long long time before i really knuckled down and i'd like jumped in a few times to try to do a few missions and just like bounced off of it many times. But um, you know, one of those times, uh, Jacob Geller of internet YouTube fame, <laughs> um, and from the Caenwince crew, like ex Kinderwin's crew, uh said that uh uh offered to kind of like walk me through a Monster Hunter fight. And so we got an online session together. And, uh, I, I felt so bad because we were kind of gaining on this, this monster that we were both tracking down together. He was teaching me the basics and my computer started making the most terrible noise. Like, uh, oh. like a drill was going off. It was awful. I think I must've told this, uh, story on the podcast before, but like, it was horrible. And so I was like, uh, like, I hate to do this. Like, I, I totally appreciate you taking some time out of your day to, walk me through this Monster Hunter deal, but uh, I have to turn my computer off right now because it's <laughs> going to, like... My computer's going to explode. I, yeah, something is something very bad is going to happen. Wow. <laughs> so, I, yeah, I feel bad about that, but, like, I guess what happened was that my Monster Hunter's world was installed onto, like, a non-gaming optimized hard drive, and the game is so texture-heavy, and I think I might have even had the HD Texture Pack installed is so texture heavy that it like just streaming in the assets was choking it. It doesn't load the texture beforehand, it streams in the assets while the game is running. <laughs> and so my hard drive just couldn't spin fast enough to keep up with the texture streaming demands. So I had to like buy a new gaming approved hard drive uh to uh to play Monster Hunter on. But wow. anyways,
1: <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, that uh, that everyone knows the technical showpiece is a Monster Hunter game. Yeah, I, I mean, good texture work though in Monster Hunter have to have to say.
0: That's right. If if only it wasn't for the super washed out lighting that just makes everything look very like I know very bright like the California sun. Yeah, it makes it almost look like Xbox
1: three sixty era, doesn't it?
0: It's it's very strange because the game has very good animations, model work, and very good textures, but when it's sunny out, it just looks super washed out. And it just like, it makes the game look much worse than even the assets that go into supporting it. Like it, it, like it's 100% an engine problem. <laughs> But it's, uh, it's a very strange choice.
1: I wonder if uh, in the future, this is, get some global illumination and ray tracing trick it all out of it. We'll get some fan mods that relight Monster Hunter for the better.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've done some kind of like in-game tweaking, and I think I even installed a mod to make the lighting a little bit more agreeable. But anyways, thats uh, I
1: think that's more than enough Monster Hunter chat for <laughs> one podcast. Well, that is Monster Hunter Hour here on Cast.
0: Let's get to... Your video game pitch for the day.
1: Yeah, so my video game pitch today is um uh, I've been cooking up a VR game where you're a person who's working behind the scenes in like a 1970s or 80s game show. So, you've got to basically a game show is happening in the background, there's a live audience, the whole thing is happening, but you are the person who's coordinating and maybe even hands-on doing things like set changes, setting up the games pulling away slide-out panels when people pick certain <laughs> questions on a Jeopardy-esque board or a Family Feud-esque board. Maybe even you're doing things like, you know, cueing applaud and, and laugh signs and that sort of thing.
0: All right, I'm going to go ahead and start the clock there. <laughs> so am I, like, am I getting this correct that you're just kind of like, you're managing the in-studio audience. You're not really like doing any of the on stage. You're not the host performances or anything like that. Right. Okay, you're not I kind of like this, like <laughs> you're as not a management the... <laughs> style game, especially if this is like, oh gosh, and I'm going to miss the, I'm going to be very embarrassed by this, but cause I am a huge Disneyland, Disneyland fan. And, um, but I can't remember the name of the circular building in Tomorrowland. It's not the carousel of progress it's the like house of tomorrow like whatever it is anyways it kind of sits in this big circular theater and the audience sits in one space and the stage is kind of like a quadrasected. is that a word uh divided into four mm. it's kind of a theater in the round type scenario there's uh but circular stage and it can rotate to kind of bring into view another quadrant of the stage Uh, But anyways, I just, I I love this idea of like a stage that, or an an audience that surrounds a circular stage that is kind of split into four separate sections where different TV shows are taking place. And then having to, at the same time, kind of manage the needs of all four of those shows. So you have a cooking show, you have like a family full house style sitcom, you have a crime investigation show and maybe you have like a sketch comedy you know Mr. Show type of show but I guess you would just be like managing the applause signs and the awe signs or whatever maybe be triggering electronics and special effects
1: I like the idea of being responsible for, like, point tallying as well. <laughs> Just feel like, that's correct. And you're like, Wait, am I supposed to add 100 or 150? And you can kind of hear the host in the back. Like, you're the, you're the guy that the host is always, like, joking with off screen. Is like, Well, something going on back there, guys? Something seems awry. I actually feel like this would be a good venue for, uh, for Cookie Masterson to really thrive. Yes, of course. That uh the voice actor. I wish I knew the voice actor's
0: name who has been a part of the Jackbox games ever since like You Don't Know Jack Three or something like that. Maybe he's even been there from the beginning. But I uh I mean it's it's really weird to go back to the old classic you don't know Jack games and to hear the same voice actor doing like the same role yeah. in the nineteen nineties and to think like how much time has passed and I mean that's uh that's an incredible
1: dedication (laughs) let's get all the oldest voice actors we'll get cookie masterson we'll get uh a a person who i've i've recently been very happy to see make kind of a a bit of a resurgence richard cheese he he has a uh, it might be an older older cover of his, but he has a great "Viva Las Vegas" thing at the beginning of Army of the Dead on Netflix. It just came out, and he he was also in Barb and Star go to Vista wait, wait a Delmar. Minute.
0: Army of the Dead. That's the new like Zack Snyder. Zack Snyder, and they put a Richard Cheese number in that.
1: <laughs> it's in it's the opening to the movie.
0: That's okay because he was in Dawn of the
1: Dead or oh gosh, yeah
0: he could, he did a. His cover of "Down with the Sickness" was in another one of those right.
1: Get up, come on, get down with the sickness. Another one of those big
0: zombie movies that feels a little too close for comfort.
1: <laughs> and they're both Zack I mean, Snyder movies. I'm glad that Mr. Cheese
0: is still getting work. They're oh, both they Zack Snyder? Snyder movies. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I did not know that Zack Snyder
1: had uh, zombie pedigree. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so, but you know, I mean, Army of the Dead is not good, but uh, well, it's it's a fine film to like have a couple drinks and be like wow look at this stupid thing but um but yeah so i guess Zack snyder maybe loves richard cheese as much as uh, the next person but yeah i like the if, idea if of- you're a
0: if you want <laughs> an opinion from a real cheese head mm. uh richard cheese's cover of uh, rock the casbah is his best work
1: okay i'm gonna go back and listen to it i'm excited <laughs> a cheese head <laughs> <laughs> that, luckily, that has no other meaning to any other
0: part of the country. You're right. Dawn of the Dead, Zack Snyder. I had no idea.
1: Dawn of the Dead, Zack Snyder, much better movie than Army of the Dead, Zack Snyder. It's, um, but... I'll I'll leave I it. Like Technetaro though,
0: like I would feel like I would really. She's she's. I would watch a it. lot of movies if Tech was in it.
1: <laughs> Welcome to Army in the Dead Also, Technetaro was green screened into the whole thing. Did you know that? Ah, oh, so good. Wait, what? Yeah, she's not. She was Why? actually in the movie. She replaced. Uh, speaking of sex pests from the last episode, she replaced a a sex pest comedian who was accused of doing some awful shit. And so, literally, she said, "Who does I've never she replace? Met any of the people? Like Chris." Chris does something. Okay.
0: I don't know. Yeah.
1: But anyway, yeah. She, the whole movie she just shot. If you had Louis
0: C.K. in the role originally, that would have been a surprising (laughs) (laughs) turn of events.
1: Can you imagine just you and Zack Snyder in a room with a TJ (laughs) Miller? Stand like this, turn like this, perfect. Wow, interesting. Yeah, so anyway, the uh, (laughs) going back to the game show, I love the idea of tallying the scores and cueing all the signs. And even like as people, if you have a Price is Right type style show that like people who win or lose, like you got to kind of like tell them where the exit is and point them in the right direction. So there's just, it almost is a job simulator uh, level of taskage to just kind of, always be doing. I don't want this to be very overcooked as
0: well. Feel very chaotic. But, uh, you know, if there's like a, a puppet in one of the shows, maybe one of them is kind of like an elf riff and you can control that as well. But basically like, I think there's an inherent comedy to missing a cue (laughs) in one of these shows. And so, you know, any game in which failure is kind of rewarded by like looking at the failure situation being like, okay, yeah, that's kind of funny. I got to give it to them. You know, so at least failure failure isn't frustrating because you get a good laugh out of it.
1: Yeah. And I think it's funny to have the, you could have a very reactive narrator in the show host or even like a producer squawking in your ear, but um, having to go like pull a lever to open up a curtain and, uh, you know, having to listen I don't know why a game show would be run so inefficiently, but, uh, you have to listen to the game show hosts or uh, also just the kind of, I I think it's genuinely kind of fun and exciting to be backstage and anything like this. If you're like, look at this, you know, people see this incredible set and you know, it's just like plywood and, uh, all of this cheap crap, um, propping the whole thing open, but that's, that's literally show business
0: yeah i I mean the backstage stuff is always really exciting. It's always really special to see kind of the the cardboard behind the magic. So you have you have cues, maybe you can like you can cue actors to enter the scene. you can maybe you're trying to track with like different scripts as you go. like there's a there's an improv game where you have one person who's kind of like a listener and then two people are speaking or telling stories at the same time. And then the listener tries to recount as many details of both stories as they can at the end of, you know, however many, like a minute or something like that. And, uh, the comedy comes from like how much they got, (laughs) they got wrong. But, uh, you, you know, maybe it is kind of like that. Maybe the scripts kind of automatically advance as you go. And it's up to you to try to kind of like divide your attention between all of them And to make the appropriate cues while queuing up emotional moments, maybe it's not even marked in the script. You just have to kind of like use your understanding of what's going on in the scene to make the appropriate, you know, lighting changes and cue the audience to go, (laughs) ah, or to scream or to laugh,
1: to applaud. Yeah. And I like the idea of, uh, again, trying to like in real time suss out how many points was I. Supposed to add to a thing, or am I? Where do you like hit the button to display what? Or, or <laughs> in a family feud scenario, do you hastily have to like type up some entries and get those printed out and put on the board? Or you you can kind of script like maybe in a little campaign, you script things that are are designed to go wrong, right?
0: And the thing is, it's all very context sensitive, and so I I would love it like if there's a like a sitcom going on. And, you know, you're not paying that close of attention and you see a character's about to enter and so you queue up the applause sign and it turns out this character is like the villain of the show or like is like a sex pest or something like that. And then it's like you just applauded this villain coming on the show when they were meant to be like, you know, the felon who's there to cause trouble and it's like you made the audience... More confused than they would have been otherwise. Anyways, yeah, I, that's uh, we we spent enough time there. We have to, we have to pull the applause sign on that one mm. and give it a name. What well, is
1: behind the scenes? I mean, that that technically could be it, but I wonder how you say like what goes on behind a game show curtain call. I feel like we've done so many theater names in the past, but maybe not. I love,
0: I mean, Smash TV is an existing game that feels like it fits really well if there was like a pun off of that
1: is there um is there something with uh like getting sandbagged or something like that where because you can control those sorts of things sandbag
0: sandbagged that that's a funny enough term i mean it is a (laughs) theater term and not a television term at all but like i still am kind of inclined to use it
1: (laughs) well i just it's just so funny As long as you can trigger them inside the, uh, inside the game, then you're, you're good.
0: Let's go with sandbagged. I just, I really like it as a name for a video game.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And plus you can technically sandbag the whole show.
0: My pitch for the day. Let's get back to, to that. Uh, today I am pitching, uh, you are a food delivery driver, picking up food from various restaurants and driving it where it needs to go before it gets cold, like crazy taxi, and so I'm thinking, you know this does seem very crazy taxi like, which isn't a problem because there are no games, there are zero games, yeah, they're not making those crazy right taxi right now, but like, just to make it a little bit more interesting, you know, maybe food gets cold over time, uh, and so you'd want to kind of deliver them in order, but maybe there are some foods that might get colder or warmer, even. Uh, Faster than others. And so you'd want to deliver those first. It's all about kind of like prioritization. And uh, maybe there are some foods that actually benefit from being like jostled around in a big empty trunk. uh, Salads, you got to mix the ingredients. Yeah. And maybe there are some where it's like you need to have enough food to really kind of like bumper it so it doesn't move around a lot, like a quiche or something like that. So yeah, I'm going to
1: go ahead and start the clock. So I, I, of course I like this. I think I love the, um, the idea of how <laughs> close to reality <laughs> it'll feel. But the, generally the idea of being able to go and like have to plot out your route or have to, you know, delivery drivers are not in a fun situation where they just have to choose between like, am I going to do these in the order that it was logical to deliver them in or am I going to do them based on time? That I picked it up or need to deliver it or, or the, the, the orders were placed, if you will. I guess you you kind of have to look at like the customer distance and the food in some way and 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 make a calculation based on that, but obviously all in the in the blink of an eye.
0: So I feel like we have to get really good at like coming up with coming up with like really clear and readable map markers for like because in Crazy Taxi, every uh, every potential ride that you could pick up uh, had like a ring around them, a colored ring that described how far they intended to go. And then you can kind of use your judgment based on how much time you have left on the clock. You know, the, the farther they had to go, the more money that they would end up paying out. But that means that you couldn't pick up other customers at the time. Maybe it's kind of a similar system. Maybe there are like, there's a mini map. You can see the entire city at a time as an order pops up. The restaurant has an arrow pointing in the direction of the customer that needs the delivery and then a color from like green to like maroon, brown, red uh, that will show you kind of how far away it is and how maybe there's like a ring around it that's like a timer that's like counting down, kind of like a cook serve delicious, I think is a series name. Mm-hmm. So we're kind of borrowing elements from both cooking games and from crazy taxi in here. But, uh, uh, so yeah, everything is kind of on a timer and you do have to kind of judge how far away everything is, but it needs to be super readable distance that you would need to transport any given
1: item. I'm trying to think about like, could there be like, could I do quick little modifications on the food? And what I mean by that is like could I potentially um like French fries, they just go soggy, right? So there's like temperature and then there's also like sog <laughs> control or crisp. Crispness is a better is the positive version of that. But you you have that sort of thing going on, and then you can actually kind of create fun, like, oh, I'm going to just poke some holes in the top of these fries or something because I'm delayed getting there or something like that.
0: Or you can package it in between other hot snacks to kind of keep it warm. <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: Oh, God, I, I have gotten before. Has this ever happened to you where you uh, sometimes people tell me that I'm, I'm gross for doing this, but occasionally you do need to order sushi to go. So I've had delivery sushi and sometimes they'll do something like the wonton soup goes on top of it. And you're like, oof! This has brought this to a temperature where I'm. I know yeah, it's. Totally. <laughs> it's not. It's not quite all the way like hot sushi, but it's not cold sushi, and so it, yeah, it makes you think twice yeah. before eating that. Now so we've it is gotta, kind of yeah. also
0: like a metal, er, not a metal gear solid, a Resident Evil style inventory management. Uh, as oh, you I was go. thinking Maybe like a death as stranding. you're driving, or yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Can you imagine then like stacking multiple bags? Like maybe you only also have a couple of those. We'll call you car dash or something uh, like heat, heat insulating bags. And so maybe you can like very quickly with a radial menu or something like swap what's in the heated bags. And so you can like juggle the heat temperature on your way there.
0: I think heated bags and having like freezers in the trunk it feels too easy. I want to kind of challenge people to do without. If you want something hot, maybe there's like really low value orders that like, if you don't even deliver them, it's kind of like, who cares? You know, like maybe there's like cheap mm-hmm. pizza hut pizzas that cover a lot of surface area and give off a lot of heat. And if you don't deliver them, it's only like whatever, 12 bucks off of your total. Like it's not going to impact you in the long run, but like it's... Im- Like you can go to Pizza Hut to pick up some pizzas and then put a bunch of other stuff on top of it, kind of make like a makeshift uh, heat lamp in a way. And so having the pizza there to warm everything else, to give you additional time for your other orders
1: is the... pizza's a heat source? Yeah. (laughs) That's funny. Oh my gosh. So that actually makes me... I think you've got to add in this layer to it. So we're juggling time. Maybe we're juggling order, order. But I think it, this is gotta I'd like order, to imagine order, this a real calculus. Huh? Order order, you say? Order order, yes. Yes. The uh um <laughs> sequential uh, ness of the Order, order <laughs> Order da da da. But no I'm <laughs> i was thinking about like tip has got to be a factor here i like to imagine that mm-hmm. when i say sometimes have you ever done that have you like taken a doordash or whatever GrubHub, whatever it is and you've just like you've gone a little extra on the tip to kind of say hey you know maybe can, give me a, give me a little bit s- something here like <laughs> you're, you're like pay, pay a little special attention to this order maybe i'm sick for thinking that but like that is in my brain When I, when I crank up the tip, uh, a line on one of these things, by the way, all these services should pay their people fairly so that they don't need these tips. But anyway,
0: I've been in the opposite situation where it's like, I've had like a certain amount of like money in my Postmates account. Oh yeah. Like a very small amount of money. And I'm like, well, I could order like a bubble tea maybe, but then like you order the bubble tea and then it's like. Oh, do you want to leave a three dollar tip? And I'm like, that's like as much as the item. Like, I don't know what to do at that point. Like they they still traveled as much ground and use as much fuel.
1: Yeah. But like I don't want to pay twice as much as the thing that I ordered. (laughs) I agree with you. I I put an order the other day and literally DoorDash defaulted to like on like a $60. It was it was but not a in substantial Mm or 60 bucks for dinner for two with all the fees and bullshit or whatever, or 50 something bucks. And it defaulted to a $13 tip or whatever. And I was like, I guess that's right. It seems like a lot, but that, (laughs) right. (laughs) Right. I was like, I remember (laughs) this is like old man yelling, about. I remember paying, you know, three bucks to the pizza delivery kit or whatever. But yeah, so I, I do, I do like what, what you can do. The risk reward here, right. Is the game can take things that we know, are especially difficult to deliver and make those worth just a, a larger monetary amount to the player. So if you're a high score chaser, you're going to have to really down to the second be managing uh, where you're bringing stuff.
0: And I kind of wonder what would uh, what would result in the larger tips if those are kind of like those mario parties type uh surprise bonuses that you get at the end of the round (laughs) Uh, like who gave you the biggest tips are they really expensive items because you know 15 percent of an expensive item is going to be a pretty substantial tip but at the same time rich people uh, i don't know if they're the best tippers like they they don't have the kind of class solidarity (laughs) that you would have with somebody who like if they're just ordering mcdonald's Presumably the person that's receiving it is like, I know what it's like to be in the position where I'm reliant upon tips. So I'm going to throw some money your way, even though I might not be like a super rich person, just because we have that kind of like class understanding.
1: By the way, are we just uh, creating a game that's going to make all these people who work in the gig economy super, super bummed out? I guess there's games about all sorts of monotony Um, that are made to spin it to be fun or satisfying. In in a way, these are explorations of how could this monotonous or stressful thing be designed in such a way to make it fun.
0: And ultimately, the goal is to make a delivery to the one place that has not been corrupted by capitalism.
1: (laughs) Space! Ah... (laughs) <laughs> oh man. Just imagine if this, if this is like, that's what a crazy taxi-esque game would be missing now is like, Hey, quickly get down to Cape Canaveral-esque thing and jump into space and deliver something to the moon really, really quick and then jump back down and then all that sort of nonsense. Just let, let it go really crazy. Oh, 21st century crazy taxi would be so good. <laughs> but I don't have Sega's number. Just what if you know did it. Crazy Taxi in the Outer Wilds engine and just actually had to, like, kludgely <laughs> fly around a rocket and land on places? Forza
0: should just have a Crazy Taxi mode in it. It does it have, really like, should. taxi deliveries, but it's, like, it's just like regular Forza races. It's not like Crazy Taxi, where you pick it up customers and... All Forza Horizon needs to do is
1: like have modes like that. And by the way, you don't even need to make new locations, Forza. Just take all your old locations, remaster them, get the get the weather tech in there. You're done. You've got your whole that's Forza forever. (laughs) That's more Forza than anyone needs.
0: All right, let's uh let's close that one down. Let's come up with a name for it. Crazy Munchies. A deliverance like the movie, it's not setting the right tone in my mind.
1: <laughs> no, slightly, slightly strange. <laughs> should should we do? Is this the 21st century paperboy and we call it pizza boy? Pizza boy is kind of fun. Is that is that a term? Pizza boy. Yeah, I think it's Pizza Guy is what people usually say. I, I like Pizza, pizza Person as well, <laughs> which you could just be wearing like a stupid pizza mascot. That's oh, uh, like it more definitely. kind of food
0: agnostic, though. Yeah. you're not just delivering pizza. You get...
1: Uh, so what are these apps like? we uh, have Grub.
0: DoorDash
1: and Grubhub. Grubgrab. Like and then there's like Speed, fast, fast, Hop, Rush, Slush, Rush. Oh, Lunch Rush is fun.
0: They, they always say
1: like restaurants have the lunch rush. Lunch crunch. I love the sound of crunch in a game name because crunch also suggests time. Time crunch yeah, is it not also bad. suggests captains.
0: Yeah. All right. Lunch crunch. Let's let's go with that. It's the lunch crunch on this our penultimate episode. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what the hell are you trying lunch to say? Crunch.
0: I'm just saying that uh, perhaps some area, some aspects of our podcast have not improved significantly <laughs> from from, from when the we first began. episode.
1: <laughs> I think that all of this is going to age like a fine wine, and I hope everybody that listens to it in the year 2032 agrees. Hey, hey before we go into the next uh, pitch, I have to tell you if if you haven't seen it already, I recently saw a television commercial for Domino's. Two things. Are insane about this commercial. Number one, I believe it features a self-driving car that the car itself is electric and has just a little, like, it has like a suicide door that just like pops open and it's like a pizza oven in there for you. So it's like, what is a
0: suicide door
1: in your world? The suicide door is like the Tesla, like they open up. Okay. All right. Yeah. Um, th- that might not be the, su- the suicide door might open like out, like back and out. Yeah. And it has like a little flap that just pops open and literally your pizza isn't in a bag or anything. It's in a little sterile, like Japanese looking <laughs> heater uh, thing, keeping it warm. But that's not what struck me. We don't need the to racially profile our heaters now. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it was white and smooth. It looked like something out of Japan. <laughs> And not a person, that a piece of technology. Uh, all right, okay. Uh, and, it was uh, white and
0: smooth, just like all of the Japanese things that I know.
1: Yeah, just like, just like a geisha. All <laughs> so, right,
0: okay. Well, let's move on. What yeah, else so, happened in this commercial?
1: Yeah, this, this is the important thing. Yeah, you've got me off track here. But the, the important thing is <laughs> chasing down the self-driving vehicle, H, was the Noid
0: Oh, no, that's a, yeah. Hmm. It's a CG. It's a little bit of a blast from the past.
1: Yeah. CG Noid, he's back. And I don't know if Domino's was using him to be like, nothing can stop our self-driving cars, but like he tries to launch rockets at it and all sorts of accoutrement and uh, he can't take it down. And so somebody gets their pizza nice and happy and the Noid didn't get it. 2021, Noid's back, baby. Accoutrement is a very, it's a very polite term to use for
0: like, actual terrorist weaponry. <laughs>
1: Well, we do we not found, negotiate uh, with
0: the Three plastic explosives in the shoe and various other accoutrements. <laughs> <recruits them> all. <laughs> all right. Let's get to our community pitch of the day. This comes from Patrick Osborne, who says, Flight through time. Start off with Wright Brothers plane, fly planes, up to future craft and UFOs. I think <laughs> a pilot wings, SNES, type feel to it all right we're talking kind of a uh flights through various periods of history potentially uh starting the clock
1: i've, I've i it must be late because i've got the church laugh still from the the accoutrement comment <laughs> yes so i love pilot wings uh specifically the nintendo 64 pilot wings is one of my favorite mm-hmm. games of that era we for some reason i <laughs> We rented it and we just kept renting it. I loved landing my stupid little things and the targets and all of that stuff on Pilot Wings. I found it very mesmerizing as a kid. And so I imagine that's very much like what some of the early flight stuff, like, you know, a hang glider or whatever, he talks about right planes in this pitch, would feel like. But then. You know, we've gotten video now, which is crazy. This, is, this has happened in the course of our show. We have video of real UFOs just hanging out that everyone's like, oh yeah, UFOs are real. Those things like can hover in place and rotate sideways and then go faster than, you know, the sound or theoretically the light barrier. So how do we scale that? That seems like quite the task.
0: What I'm picturing is something kind of like a Forza Horizon How, you know, Forza Horizon 4 I spent quite a bit of time with over the past couple of weeks. And uh, I really like how it allows you to purchase these kind of older vintage vehicles. Uh, Some of them are kind of like old muscle cars where it's like, you know, you can feel like, oh yeah, this is why people still collect them. Like they just don't make them like they used to. Like this is a great ride. And some of them are like barely holding together (laughs) as you're barreling (laughs) down these streets at like 36 miles an hour.
1: Yeah, I love to look at old Jaguars and I do not like to drive them in that game. So maybe it's kind of a flight,
0: open world flight racing type of game. Uh, But I don't know how, you know, I think for something like a Wright Brothers plane, like it really only can fly a certain number of meters before it has to land again. How do we make that engaging as
1: well? I think if you did have, maybe we're venturing into late era Tony Hawk games or something by doing this, but I do like the idea of being able to have a GTA like world, but not, not, not with all of the (laughs) accoutrement that come along with, (laughs) not with all the (laughs) set dressing that comes along with the GTA. There's no, characters you're talking to, or, or a ton of like detail in the world in that way. But being able to fly from place to place, it's almost like if you could kind of just get out of your plane or switch planes in Microsoft Flight Simulator and kind of take off and land anywhere at any time, it's like trying to shrink the Flight Simulator world it doesn't have to be world-sized, but give, your, give yourself enough points to kind of go to, find, do sorts of aerial quests... Um, complete them and then, you know, compete in all sorts of vehicle sorts of challenges over time. I think
0: that that would be cool. I think there's kind of an ideal built into like the Just Cause series. Like I absolutely fell head over heels in love with Just Cause 2. Like it is one of my all time favorite video games. I've played Just Cause 3 and Just Cause 4 and they're like, they're fine reproductions of Just Cause 2, but like they just don't have that same element of that perfect balance of chaos and control as you had in that, uh, in that Xbox 360 title. But one of my favorite things was that you could just like getting an aerial vehicle was kind of a rare occurrence, but when you could, like you could find like with some frequency, if you knew where to look, you can find helicopters and those were good because then you can kind of like move around in a very controlled way in three dimensions uh, but Are you saying we rarer, should be able to
1: like go underground and get to Area Fifty One and be able to hijack
0: a UFO? I mean, potentially. Uh, even rarer, you could find a, a jet or something in an airfield. Or even rarer than that, there were like passenger planes, and you could, from any vehicle, you could jump out of the vehicle, or you could even ride on its like on its top. <laughs> Uh oh. like stand on it, like uh one of those old timey black yeah. and white movies of people playing tennis on uh the wings of planes. Uh you could stand on top of any of your planes or helicopter I guess not the helicopters, <laughs> but uh you could sit on top of any of the planes, jump and zip line to other planes using your kind of grapple mechanic. Oh wow and uh basically like Grand Theft Auto style, like throw out the pilot And even like a big passenger plane, like a Boeing 737 or something, you could like hijack it and uh, start flying it around. And so if there was that kind of like upgrade path, like as you're racing, you have like a great distance to cover and you all start out in like Da Vinci flying machine era, like pretty useless. Like they can make you glide for a few feet and then you're pretty much out of luck. Uh, but like you, there are planes from throughout time kind of just zipping, uh, zipping around and if you can get close to any of them and then you could potentially hijack them and then take them the rest of the way. You know, you have this kind of like, it's a mad, 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 mad world appeal of like different vehicles and going out of your way to get things that might be faster to save your, to save you more time in the
1: long run. I like the idea of, of the, like you said, having to compete up and up and up. That that would almost be the old Gran Turismo model, right? Where, like, you start off in D-class and then eventually you end in yeah. at triple S like or in whatever. The course of like one race, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's interesting. I, I do love the idea, like, the way that Forza Horizon has, you know, off-roading and they, the vehicles that are kind of have these different specialties, the ability to have, like, once you get into UFO territory, like... You could do some insane obstacle courses where even the course itself is not entirely linear. Right now you're getting into almost like 3D Star Fox ring, fly through the ring territory yeah. sort of stuff, because you want to be able to just like, hey, I can 180 degree without actually moving <laughs> in any direction and uh just start zooming again. It would actually be quite disorienting, but I also love the idea that and f- Mo- Microsoft Flight Simulator later does a little bit of this, but like ever increasing the kind of control complexity or fiddliness. It's like, hey, listen, these old machines, right? They're, they're really just kind of wind and and sails, you know? And it, it's physics kind of doing the rest. You can kind of up, down, <laughs> left and right them a little bit, but it's mostly up and down. And, you know, that's, that's where you're at. But once you get into carrier jet planes, you're working with all sorts of knobs and levers and throttles, and and potentially you've got to to do a lot more active flying of the machine. And then maybe as you start to march into futurism, it actually gets easier again, (laughs) potentially. It's just like, wow, this thing almost flies itself. I would like it if it's not
0: just like a straight upgrade from one to the next. Like, I would like it if there was some elements that like the older planes can do better than the newer planes Mm. you know if you're just flying in a straight line maybe you can make an easier landing or gain more speed in like one direction i don't know i i don't know planes well enough to know but like i would like it if you have to kind of like make strategic choices as over whether you would choose kind of a futuristic airplane or a past airplane and i don't want the past era planes to just become outdated as soon as you unlock something else.
1: Although that doesn't quite happen in Forza, right? It's like you can, it's almost like all of the events are just available and an event is tied to a class of Yeah, vehicle. the way that
0: it works in Forza Horizon 4 is like a super open to anything that you want. Like basically you can choose any car to start a race with and then it'll auto populate your um, opponents with cars that are, competitive with that car. So you're never completely outclassed.
1: Yeah. That, that to me, that is now how I prefer to play my open world, uh, my open world car games. But yeah, I wonder you, you mentioned a couple weeks ago, like the problem of how could an old vehicle ever go against a new one. And I, I think you'd have to, Somehow, design the vehicle types with trade offs, right? Like a, a jet can't turn like a helicopter <laughs> can, but like right. it can, it can certainly go fast on a straightaway. Boy, oh boy. So, I wonder if you can do like different vehicles on the same obstacle course sort of thing.
0: Let's close that down. Let's give it
1: a name. Pilot Wings is such a darn good name. What are some stupid airline settings? Fly the friendly skies, which is that jet blue. I don't even know who it is. Uh, There's Southwest. Okay, I, I dislike myself for this one. Y'all come back now?
0: Mm. <laughs> I see it's what you did there. I don't think it's going to settle as the final <laughs> title, though.
1: No. Weirdly
0: enough, I suggested this either earlier in this episode or in the last episode. <laughs> we are recording back-to-back two weeks in a row, so uh, I might be getting my episodes a little mixed up, but Time Flies also kind of fits here. <laughs> oh, Yeah. Time flies. Just like it did in our uh, arrows aging yeah. people pitch last episode.
1: Yeah. This is as canonical as you're going to get that this is, this is really a two part episode. when do you think about it? And we didn't pick time flies for that game name. Oh no, we did, so. era. we did times arrow. We did times zero.
0: Times zero. That's pretty close, but um, because Patrick Osborne did originally say, you know, flight through time, which is kind of adjacent to this.
1: Yeah. I like it.
0: Okay. Time flies. Time flies. Well, um, I guess with that, we should say that, uh, if you have anything that you would like to send into our show, it's probably already too late. <laughs> uh, by the time that you're hearing this, we've probably already recorded the final episode of our playwright run, but don't despair. If you choose to send anything in, then we'll certainly be keeping the inbox open and, uh, I you know, I'm sure that we'll come back and record. We'll like, get the itch. We're getting together like in person a couple times this year. COVID safe. <laughs> we're getting together a couple times this year. You know, I'm getting married. Uh, we're taking a uh, kind of 4th of July in, uh, in the Colorado area. So, you know, I'm sure that at least at some point we'll hop on mic and decide to do some sort of an in person podcast recording. So, uh, next week's episode will not be the final final playwright, but it will be the final playwright in its uh, typical form in its weekly uh release schedule. So, you know, if if you choose to still submit a video game idea, then we will do our best to read it in uh, whatever form future playwrights take, but uh, it will not be read in a kind of normal weekly show unfortunately next week is our last one of our regular run so we're kind of sunsetting there i don't know there's it's it's there's a lot of emotions that come with that but i think it's uh it's going to be a good show
1: yeah and you know what on the in the july stuff i uh, look at we've got the friends reunion we found out (laughs) iCarly is coming back these these shows that people love they're making you wait years to see these people back together h and i what we might turn around in a month. We might turn around in two months. And go, hey, we might. this is the reboot. This is the reunion show. It'll all be one-offs, but you know, it'll, you'll feel happy about it. I think, I
0: think so. <laughs> so anyways, uh, don't let that discourage you from sending anything in to playwrightcast.com slash pitch to playwright at gmail. Uh, sorry, playwrightcast at gmail.com or at playwrightcast, uh, on Twitter And we will read your video game idea, discuss it, dissect it, make it into something fresh and original on one of our very, uh, final shows,
1: (laughs) very sporadic shows. Yeah. We'll discuss your pitch and all of it's accoutrement (laughs) throughout. Special thank you to proto for the use of our theme song. Hello world off the album blue noise. And while you're listening to things, why not go check out the Cannon Rins podcast? Why not go check out the Sausage Factory, where you get to hear about the stories straight from the horses, or in this case, people's—I think—humans' mouth about how these things get made. In this case, specifically, yeah. There's not. not um, there like might all be a horse-based horse video podcasts. game. I put it past them. Yeah.
0: Anyways, let's go out with a redacted game on this our penultimate show. You are going to be challenging me on. uh For what might be the last time, we have not yet, in all transparency, planned out what our last show is going to entail. We might do another E3 show. We might do another multi-pitch challenge. It it was just a few weeks ago (laughs) that we just did 50 pitches each, and I don't know (laughs) if we have the creative juices left in our systems to be able to do another one of those, but uh, whatever we have going on may or may not involve a redacted game. Uh, challenge at the end of the show, so this might very well be the final one. Let's wow. see how this goes.
1: Scary, scary. And now you, you, I get to find out if my last time was stumping you or failing to stump you. <laughs> this is—I'm I'm actually nervous. Uh, uh, all right, in a redacted, it's Majora's mask. <laughs> okay, he got it in one. No, I'm just. Kidding. Uh, i would have felt so cool (laughs) what a way to (laughs) end playwright
0: (laughs) i would have been like there's no
1: last episode goodbye everybody (laughs) (laughs) in a a redacted where redacted is heavily monitored redacted oh no sorry 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 sorry, sorry. see look at i've messed this up my last time i messed it up in a redacted where redacted is heavily monitored Agile Redacted, called Redacted, transports sensitive Redacted away from Redacted. A lot of redaction in there. In this seemingly utopian paradise, a Redacted has been Redacted. Your Redacted has been Redacted, and now you are being hunted. (laughs) You are a Redacted called Redacted. And this innovative Redacted Redacted is your story. Redacted is what keeps you Redacted, what keeps you alive. A lot of heavily Wait. redacted. <laughs> Your redacted is what keeps you redacted is what keeps you alive. Redacted is what keeps you redacted. What keeps you alive. Okay, all right. Some serious <laughs> wordplay there.
0: Okay, I actually feel like I the have this pretty reasonable guess. Uh,
1: no, no, <laughs> don't tell me this. All right. I mean, give I don't me. mean
0: to Okay, all right. Is this mirror's
1: edge? There he is, Miss America. (laughs) 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 I can't, I redacted the shit out of that. How did you?
0: (laughs) Not that many games about being a delivery person.
1: In a city where information is heavily monitored, agile couriers called runners transport sensitive data away from prying eyes. In this seemingly utopian paradise, a crime has been committed. Your sister has been framed, and now you are being hunted. You are a runner called Faith, and this innovative first-person action-adventure is your story. Flow is what keeps you running, what keeps you alive. (laughs) You son of a bee sting. Sorry if that wasn't, uh, if that was (laughs) anticlimactic. No, I think it's part and parcel... With the entire run of me trying to stump you with these things, <laughs> I always come down to the very last nail biting. You, I can't summon it for the first two, and you, you're just like, yeah, it's this. I feel like that makes for better radio, though. <laughs> no, us talking about how the hell you got it in one uh, for five minutes is makes pretty good radio. Too. Well, congratulations, congratulations! You've successfully navigated Thank your you. last challenge. May I successfully navigate
0: mine? I mean, we uh, we both got our last redacted games. Uh, we both got them correct. So All I can two do episodes is- in I'm a, a gonna... row
1: Maybe we don't victories. do a redacted game. Let's just read people's pitches for the last show and we'll be like, this is it. We've done it. It's a victory lap. When do we get our victory lap? That's what I want to know.
0: I'm thinking for the last episode of, the, of our regular run that comes out next week on uh, June 17th, we're going to have... Something in the place of the kind of outro to the show, but uh, usually for these kind of final shows, it's it's not the conventional format. So I don't anticipate us playing another redacted game, but uh, you never know. You never know. We haven't quite figured it out
1: yet. We'll we'll come up with something special. What if we have everybody in the and Rance crew? Record a goodbye to us recounting memories that we didn't actually create. (sighs) I don't know if Sound of Play even mustered that. (laughs) Man, I remember in episode 130 when Ryan got his tooth surgery and he did the whole (laughs) podcast live from the dentist chair. It was incredible.
0: All right. Well, uh, I guess we'll, we'll find out together, all of the listeners and us, what our final episode will entail. But until next week, the final week of the regular run of playwrights uh, it's been an absolute honor recording for you all we'll be back with something very fun very novel and very strange for you next week mm-hmm. uh we'll uh, we'll see you then see you then